The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, Biscuit listeners, and welcome to another freshly baked edition of the Biscuit Podcast, celebrating Charlotte's creativity every week. I'm your host, Andy Go. This past weekend, Camp North End hosted the second annual Do-Rag Festival, organized and hosted by Black Market CLT, Dup and Swat, and local artist Dammit Wesley. The event drew more than 2,000 attendees, all celebrating Black culture and heritage. In the first segment of today's Biscuit Podcast, we talk to Dammit Wesley about what the Do-Rag Festival means to him. We also go on location to hear some of the sounds from the event and talk to attendees and local artists such as Alvin C. Jacobs and Lavana Parks. Stick around, however, because we've also got an interview with Next Stage leader and nonprofit wizard Josh Jacobson, recorded live at Coco and the Director. Josh talks about where his experiences have taken him, what he sees as the future of nonprofits in Charlotte, and how he hopes Next Stage can be part of that solution. Let's take a listen. At its core, this is a Juneteenth celebration. For those that don't know what Juneteenth is, um, it is an African-American holiday in which um, it started in Houston. Um, where we celebrate our independence. It was three years from the time that um, Lincoln gave the Emancipation Proclamation. It took three years for it to get to like one of the last plantations in the South on Texas. So when they finally heard that they were the last people to be free, they started doing these celebrations called Juneteenth. Do-Rag Festival founder, organizer, and artist, Dammit Wesley. Juneteenth used to take, it used to take place on Black-owned land. Um, and since this is the Texas-based holiday, um, there were things like rodeos, black cowboys, all the kind of stuff that would happen. Over time, it kind of waned out, and there's sort of been a resurgence of these things coming back. As it relates to do-rags and stuff, uh, do-rags for me are pretty symbolic of like the black experience. Um, a lot of times they're demonized, they're misunderstood, they're stereotyped as something that's negative, and they serve a purpose, which is to essentially preserve your hair, and within any culture, a hair is just sort of like your legacy, your history. So just sort of like putting those two things together, kind of having like an understanding of African-American history, how um, Creole people within Louisiana um, under law, I think it was like Tion or Titnan laws, they were forced to wrap their hair and stuff just because some of the black women were just too beautiful and stuff. They were forced to like kind of like wrap their hair as a form of shame and they found ways to adorn their head wraps and their scars to a point that I guess like the problem looking at black women got worse because they were drawing so much attention. So it's just a lot of things within black culture that are significant and they all kind of revolve around not only our hair, but like our fashion, our style, the way we do things and do rags for us. It's just something that's so black that it can't be appropriated no matter how many times they've been tried to, it's been tried to be appropriated within like the fashion world, the pop world, uh, no matter what superstar wears it, whether it's Kylie Jenner or Justin Timberlake and stuff, it's always a signifier and a symbol of blackness. So this is one of the last artifacts and relics that we have for our own that cannot be claimed by anybody else. And it's just kind of like time we celebrate that. And we invite all you guys to come out and celebrate that with your own types of do-rags and stuff. Culturally, everybody has their own headpiece, head wrap, right? Photographer and activist Alvin C. Jacobs explains what the do-rag means to him. It represents 
Everything that we do to take care of ourselves, of our hair, it went from function to fashion. It used to just be a way to hold your hair in a certain manner, to train it, to do a certain thing. And then it became a part of what we do, a part of what we wear, a part of how we represent, and in some instances, a sort of rebelliousness to the culture. You're not supposed to wear a do-rag to the store. You're not supposed to wear a do-rag to pick your child up from school. But we do. And we will. Colorful outfits are everywhere at Do-Rag Festival, and Alvin talks about his look. Clearly, off-white Vapor Max, uh, custom anarchy camouflage, cargo pants, a dashiki from Cameroon, handmade, handmade do-rag. I mean, I'm just with it, man. Like, it's really all one-off. It's really all uh, one-of-one. Well, this do-rag may have been a couple, but I just like being different, man. Kind of like, you know, making the colors pop, man. I don't want to look like everybody else. At the age of 45, I kind of have to, like, realize my place, but then I still have to be fresh. You know, you got to come through, man. When you show up, you got to show out. That's really what I'm trying to do today. Not far from where I talked to Alvin, artist Lavana Parks does caricatures for a guy named Kevin. Spicy. <laughs> I asked Lavana about how people represent themselves and how it shows up in her art. When, well, when people sit down normally with me and I, and I draw them, or sometimes people will ask, well, what, what you gonna do? What you gonna do to my face? And I literally, I say, I draw what I see, and that usually has two reactions. Either they sit down, they're like, okay, cool, I'm comfortable with it, and they sit down, or no thank you, and they literally try to run for the hills. I think that has more to do with your own perception of yourself and if you if you feel good about yourself and this is this is not supposed to insult you this is supposed to be fun so if you feel good about yourself you have no problem with it. you're comfortable in your own skin you know like he is he's very comfortable in his own skin and enjoying himself and that's that's the whole reason why I do what I do is because people like this young man here he's having a good time he doesn't mind but um, you know, it really is telling more so about the person um, when I say I draw what I see. But I'm only doing what I'm doing out of fun, never out of insult. Lavana then talks about why Charlotte hosting Do-Rag Festival is so important. Within the arts, we are also um, inspired by life and what happens around us and our own unique backgrounds. That the Do-Rag Festival is something that is tied to black culture. Um, where this is inspired directly from that and creating art around that and showcasing the positivity means everything. There needs to be more outlets for this type of positive experience instead of thinking things are always negative or you fear what you don't know. Well, we're just showcasing a part of the culture that is appreciated and loved and respected. We want everybody to do the same. Finally, Kevin gets the big reveal. Big smile, ooh, I like that. I like that rich on there. Outside the VIP lounge, I talked to Maria, one of the volunteers of the day, but no less dressed for the occasion. Yeah, so I have the long colorful skirt, I have the colorful corset going, and of course my do-rag has to accentuate that, okay? It's different ways you put it together, and for me, I just wanted it to be colorful, and hello, come in, you know? Yeah. 
So for me, a do-rag goes all the way back to that childhood, making sure everything stays in place, you know, keeping that drip on fleek. And for me, the do-rag fest is just another way that we see how each of our uniqueness and our perspectives are taken and just amplified. It's so cool. I didn't expect this, but it's just amazing, like, seeing how we can turn an accessory into the main part of that outfit. I really believe that's the thing with this do-rag festival. <laughs> I also talked to Glenn, a photographer, who talked about how black culture has evolved in the spotlight. The weirdest part about black culture is that it's always been, it's always been our little thing. But now, nowadays, it's, it's becoming more of a, with Afropop and this, you know, all that stuff, it's just becoming more mainstream. So, um, whereas it had the image of a do-rag was of a thug. Back when I was growing up, you know, it was like, your, your mother would be like, your parents would tell you, you can wear that in the house to get your waves or whatever, get, get popping, but I don't want to see you in the street with it. You know, it was kind of like we was embarrassed of the stereotype of it. But now it just means black culture. And black culture just means, and it being out in the open, just means that we're proud of it. You know what I'm saying? We're not, it's not in our little pocket, in our little circle. It's like, we're proud, and if you got a problem with it, that's, that's a you problem, you know what I mean? <laughs> Mural artist Cloud Cruiser talks about his style as he paints a live mural just outside of the Do-Rag Festival my headquarters. My style is mostly um, clouds, as you can see. They're very multicolored stuff. Um, I go by the phrases, don't get your head out of the clouds, keep them in the clouds. So as you can see, the clouds are surrounded by them, so to see they're in the clouds. I, I like to think clouds as more as... as visual goals or future goals. So every time I draw a cloud, it just represents goals for like things you're pursuing and stuff. Sometimes I tell people like green can represent the money, blue can represent family, pink can represent just any other thing. So that's why I like to do. Like I said, I think the festival is a very positive festival and stuff. I, I try to invite as many people as I can because I knew it would be something different for most people because they never seen this and stuff. Most people thought it was in Atlanta and I was like, no, it's in Charlotte. <laughs> Some people sleep on Charlotte. I'm mostly based in Atlanta, but so I try to grow with my, um, my next door neighbor state and yeah. try to pressure on um, Charlotte. But yeah, do rap as I mean I just I just think it's just a just to show your love and support for just culture, you know. That's how I really see it though. I talked to two ladies, Ra Ra and Nicole, about how proud they are to be able to have an event that represents their culture. It's just representing a culture to me, you know what I'm saying? Like representing what we are. Cause at the end of the day, yes, I'm Dominican, but it, it represents black culture. We all come from the same place, I love it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just trying to represent what we are in general. And, and a little city like Charlotte, at the end of the day, like there's a lot, you know what I'm saying? Other cultures, but here in general, we got black culture going on. We got Spanish community going on. It's just a lot of music going on. It's, it's loud energy, it's great energy. Everybody want to be here. At the end of the day, you don't want to miss it. Finally, we let Dammit Wesley have the last word. He shares some of his hopes and dreams for Do-Rag Festival and ends with a message for those hesitant to attend next year's event. My hope and goal for Do-Rag Festival is to A, um, create an economic foundation for, um, for, for black millennials in Charlotte to kind of be a part of, and B, um, to create something where I can outsource Charlotte talent and stuff. Um, Everybody knows that Charlotte's sort of like a hard market where it comes for like performers and stuff. So if you kind of if you can make it out the city, if you can reach like Petey Pablo, Petey Pablo or the baby status and stuff, great for you. But we need more of that. 
So I definitely want to get Durag Fest to a level where it's a vehicle where we can travel and do activations in other cities. Uh, not necessarily at the same size as Charlotte. Um, it's just something special about doing something in Charlotte at Camp North End and like the city taking so much pride in this event. And just, you know, knowing that the people around you, the people that support you have ownership over this idea. I don't want to take that away from them, nor will we take it away from them. But that's, you know, that's where we want to go. Not so much a tour, but I would love to bring the essence of Durag Fest to a city near you at some point in the near future. Just let me know where it's safe to come. Anything else you want to say about Durag Festival? Um, yes, to all the white listeners out there, do not be ashamed for coming to Durag Festival. If you're curious about showing up, please come out. It's not cultural appropriation if you're out here celebrating with us. We celebrate with you on all the other holidays, whether it be St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, Christmas, Thanksgiving, any kind of holiday where we weren't allowed to celebrate 300 years ago, you can come out and at least show up. Buy some tickets if you don't want to be here. Take a picture. Uh, send somebody else. Um, if you don't have a head wrap and you're like Jewish or whatever, uh, wear that. It's all cool. If you have a hat, pull up with your hat on. Um, rollers, uh, fishnet stockings, I don't know. I'm not too sure what white people wear to preserve their hair, but by all means, put it on. Come out. Like, come celebrate. Let's have some fun. Stop being a prude and in racism by coming to Durant Fest. Um, Damn it, what's the 2020? Bye. Remember to follow The Biscuit on Instagram and Twitter at CLT is creative. That's at CLT is creative. All right, now your job is also keep us from chasing squirrels in this next uh, segment because we are diving in with a really good friend of ours, Josh Jacobson, who's the founder of Next Stage uh, and the Cultivate Program. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. What Woo. up, Josh? So Josh, I've always I've got wanted to, to do something. Can I do it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Good morning, Charlotte. <laughs> How's that? You, yes. Good morning, Charlotte. It's uh I, I, is that too much? You've at least gotten no. some stairs. <laughs> Thanks, a, guys. It's great to be here. Thank you for uh, for creating an opportunity uh, to chat about cultivate. Uh, something you guys know very well because you participated in it. That's you, right. You have, uh, you know, there is, there's no way that, that Charlotte is creative or Matt or I would be at this place if it weren't for you and the guidance that you provided through the Cultivate okay. program. Next Stage was founded to ensure all nonprofit organizations in the Carolinas have access to affordable, high-quality services to help them get to the next level because, as you've told us, there are thousands of nonprofits yeah. doing incredible work but in order to do that good work in the community, they have to have a good plan. They have to have a, a, a sustainable right. system, and they have to have a great support network. Right? That's right. Yep. So, so among the things you provide, strategic planning, fundraising council, board development, staff development, yep. moral, <laughs> moral support, and, yep. and just general wisdom, the, the amount of calls we place to you after 11 o'clock <laughs> probably shouldn't be broadcast. Um, but out of that spun the Cultivate program that you and your partner, Kaylin, built yep. uh, with, surpri- with support from some really incredible people. So w- tell us a little bit about what, what led you to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, the, the term consultant is, not, uh, is, is almost a dirty word these days, isn't it? Um, so we actually dropped consulting from the name of our, our uh, company. We were Next Stage Consulting. We dropped it um, in part because we really don't see ourselves as consultants. You know, strategist, I guess, is another term, but 
really what I am is a social good guy. I'm somebody who wants to see Charlotte uh, become uh, the amazing city uh, that it is, but also that it could be. So it's both to celebrate who we are now, and uh, but also to address those things that are stopping us from maybe achieving um, what what could be. Uh, and I found that there was no single nonprofit or company I could join uh, that uh, had the same uh, goals as I had personally. And so I had to start something. You're a bit of a maverick. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I call myself a social entrepreneur. I know there's people out there who call themselves social entrepreneurs uh, and look at a consultant and say, you know, you're something other than that. I just had to find a business model to sustain my family while I sought to do the good work that I uh, intended to do. And in doing that, I spent my first 10,000 hours with another firm building up my capacity to, to uh, deliver a service that someone would want to pay for. And then I spent another 10,000 hours figuring out how to point that at something good. And that's what Next Stage is. And Cultivate really is the, uh, the maturation of uh, 20,000 hours of trying to figure out how, what do I want to how do I want to give back to this community uh, and cultivate is it? Well, let's for a second, if we don't mind, jump back even further. I want to go non-profit oh chronological. Let's go back here. in the day, man. Because okay. we have a connection, don't we? We do have a connection. <laughs> okay, so we, we have, a, we have a, a background in and a love for professional live theater. That's right. right? Locally produced live theater. That's right. Locally produced. In fact, interestingly enough, right here in this building, I, I, as a theater producer, produce one of my favorite projects of all time, which is called The Hotel Project. I know all about it. They're, they're ambitious, really awesome. We, 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 we basically staged a, we staged a show in the presidential suite of the Marriott Marquis. <laughs> and it was after that that you and I eventually would cross paths. That's right. Um, but one, of, the, one yeah. of our connector points is Manhattan Theater Club because right. Cast was producing a show that I had developed called The Other Place that had been sent to Broadway by Manhattan Theater Club. Yep. You have spent time working at Manhattan right. Theater Club. Talk about that and how that's informed your sure. work in the nonprofit space now. Yeah, I spent uh, six of the best seasons of my life in uh, working for the Manhattan Theater Club, a Broadway producing theater company in New York City, uh, during a, a just amazing run. So I was there for three Pulitzer Prize winning world premiere productions, which yep. just doesn't happen. Uh, in the history of theater, it hasn't happened that a single uh, theater has had such a run. I was there for uh, Doubt, John Patrick Shanley's yep. Doubt, which uh, was an astonishing show, uh, production, and uh, Rabbit Hole, and also Ruined by Lynn Nottage. And I came to Charlotte uh, off of that, and having yeah. been papered to literally hundreds of shows, pay, uh, uh, received free tickets. Yeah. As we call in the biz. We yeah, call you're that throwing paper. around the industry terms now. So I had seen literally hundreds of uh, productions over those uh, six years in, in New York and came to Charlotte and was really searching for where is that artistic outlet uh, and found, uh, found a, a really thriving theater community here and uh, threw myself into it and, you know, in many ways trying to find, uh, having done theater and, and, and arts, uh, support for the arts uh, for so long. Uh, who was I if not uh, doing 100% arts all the time? And, and that's really what Charlotte has been for me is you know, 11 years of branching out from uh, an arts uh, background to embrace still the creative spark and spirit that, that yeah. is theater, but, but to uh, embrace really social good in all the ways it comes forward. So, um, well, should we talk about like where Cultivate now is headed? I mean, Cultivate yeah. as, a, as, a, as, a, as a program 
has has uh, changed the course of our of our lives, quite frankly. It, it has, and I think be, think Josh, it would be great if you would talk sure. just briefly about why it started and what the structure of the program is. Absolutely. Well, you know, I pitched it at Creative Mornings, and I still remember. I have it memorized. Yeah. I want I you to give it your radio. Give it. Do it again, but yeah. with your radio voice. With my radio voice. Podcast. Hey guys, <laughs> my name is Josh, <laughs> and I'm here to talk about cultivating and a, an incubator and accelerator for the. Founders of Emerging Nonprofit. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Cultivate is a program we uh, established two years ago. Um, it is a program. So, you know, unlike uh, the work we do with clients, this is something that we designed and decided we wanted to do. Um, what we found was, you know, there are many emerging nonprofit organizations that uh, have great people uh, behind them and a, and a great idea that may not have all the tools they need in order to be successful. Uh, and... We really believe that emerging organizations are needed in a healthy um, uh, community, just like we need emerging uh, private sector. You know, startup uh, organizations and companies are, are uh, the energy addressing the unmet needs of our community. Uh, but our nonprofit infrastructure does not celebrate, typically, uh, the emerging nonprofit. It doesn't uh, embrace them. It doesn't provide them the, the supports that they need. and so. We found it, uh, Cultivate to be a very inten uh, intentional uh, and intensive um, incubator and accelerator. So an incubator to help uh, formulate what are the ideas, wh what is the operational and, and programmatic um, uh, sort of design, and, uh, and then an accelerator, how do we uh, generate resources for it. Uh, and we launched it last year, beginning of 2018, and, and Charlotte is creative, and Matt and Tim were our star pupils in that first uh, iteration. It's a cohort uh, program. Organizations you may not have heard of, uh, but also organizations that you have and, and how to bring them all together and actually uh, study a curriculum. So well, you know, a lot of incubators are gonna be in that kind of uh, two or three month uh, time frame, and accelerators typically are more in like a two to six week time frame. So the idea to build a 12 month intentional uh, both uh, curriculum-based workshop series, but also one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, was about you know injecting and, and, and uh, uh, you know putting as much energy into uh, helping those organizations that participate in it. And uh, I, I don't know how to do it any other way. You know, there's no shortcuts. There's no hack on how to be a successful nonprofit. Uh, if there was, believe me, I've been trying to find it. Uh, sure, it is about being as knowledgeable as you can, not only about best practice and what uh, how to do it the right way. But also, if you are going to break the rules, what rules are you breaking? And how do you acknowledge that you're doing it somewhat differently and, and embrace that and actually celebrate that there are new ways to do things and we want to find those things? Uh, one thing to interject in the, uh, is you talked about breaking rules. And yeah. if you're listening to the podcast right now, after make a note on BiscuitCLT.com, which is uh, you know part of, our, of the Biscuit Network, Josh did a seven-part series called Breaking Good, where he addresses myths of the nonprofit system and, and some, some pervasive ideas that are potentially holding it back. And really totally kind fun. of, you went full, full at it, and the entire series is available my, on My whole John McEnroe voice, my like angry, <laughs> fist-shaking voice. Yeah, that was that. my favorite note I've ever <laughs> given anyone. Josh sent in his first draft, and I was like, there needs to be more John McEnroe yeah, in here. And like, he jumped in. Yeah, I was it. like, oh, got it. No problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that kind of snarky, um, you know, the biscuit, I think, if we want to talk about kind of Charlotte's creative's path and, and cultivate. Uh, the biscuit, you know, was not what we were starting with. Correct. And what we were starting with was, right. uh, was other not. ideas. and. 
that really is also, uh, I think, the power of Cultivate is that we had a full year together to actually go down all the chase the squirrel and go down the rabbit holes and then realize, uh, you know, let's back up the ideas and principles are right, but maybe we need to position it differently. And your, what you've done with the biscuit, I think, is uh, amazing. And I've, I've been so proud to be uh, a contributor to it. Well, it, it was, we got a fantastic response to your series. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I loved about it, it was the voice that you brought to it was truly authentic to you. You're someone who's not afraid to call, what, call out That's what right. you're seeing, say the hard stuff that other yep. people aren't saying, and challenge people in a way that they're not used to being challenged. And uh, as, yeah. I had somebody say to me, well, oh, good for you to say that. Like, I can't say that. I said, that's exactly why I'm saying it. Like, do you yeah. get that that's why I'm saying it? I, I can say the thing that no one else can say, but the poor nonprofits aren't allowed to say these uh, controversial things. So I take on for everybody the controversy uh, intentionally. Um, so hopefully that, that's uh, at least somewhat appreciated. You brought up, a good, you said you say the things that, that you can say, right? But I, and, and we talked a lot in Cultivate about the differences between the word can and should. Right. And this is one of those cases where not only do you have the ability, but you, somebody should say it. You know, right. Charlotte is a wonderful town, but we have this kind of veil of politeness where right. there, and there are so many issues that we just kind of hope never come up, right? right? It's like Thanksgiving dinner at a contentious <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner where you're hoping yeah. nobody tells the political joke. That's right. And, and you, in a very unique and authentic way, but not disrespectfully, mm -hmm. have said, talk about what's underpinning the issues that are holding nonprofits back and holding our community That's back. That's right. Well, I mean, we're 50th out of 50 in economic mobility. We know this, that we've, we've, this has come to be a refrain of our community. Do we really think that we're going to get out of last on that list by doing things the way we've always done them? Right. Probably not. We need disruption. But if we look to our largest nonprofits that have 90% of all the resources uh, to do that disruption, we're probably looking into the wrong place. It's, it's not for the very large hulking nonprofit that has uh, a very Tony board of directors and lots of uh, funders it needs to address. That is an organization that may be as focused on uh, impact as it is on sustaining its own business right. model. But it's you guys, it's these emerging organizations that frankly have nothing to lose that can actually be those disruptions uh, to our norms. and. I mean, I have a lot riding in my own life as a charlatan on your success. I mean, you, you succeeding is not only uh, a nonprofit succeeding, it's our community succeeding. And so uh, spending as much time with folks like you as I can is, is where my heart is. I, you know, I think, too, you told us this quite a bit in Cultivate. Um, it's also your opportunity to work with someone to prove out some of these ideas that's that you've shared with larger clients that they're right. maybe not ready to pursue. It's well, a little right. too risky for them. Well, you should know that there, there are now organizations that are bravely taking the steps that our, our community needs because of emerging organizations that have proven out some of the things that we've uh, talked through. So uh, I think that's absolutely true. You know, no, no one wants to take on risk. We don't really have in the nonprofit sector uh, risk tolerance. There's, there's very little risk capital. Uh, there's very few uh, funders and donors who want to uh, encourage you uh, to take risk. You know, one of the uh, supporters both of uh, Charlotte is Creative and of uh, Cultivate, uh, the Reimprise Fund, Charlie Elberson is one of the few people who actually encourages you to take risks. You know, we need to be taking more risks uh, and um, because risk comes with reward. Yes, it also comes with failure, but until we fail and learn from it and come back at it, um, we're probably going to be mired 50th out of 50. I mean, I, I, it's sort of my refrain that, look, folks, this isn't going to get better. Money alone is not going to make this better. 
Well, I think too, 50 out of 50 is not the, it's not the destination. It's just where we are in it's a very long now. race right now. That's right. Um, I would say too, you, you brought up the Reemprise Fund, amazing. Also, another risk taker in this town is Ortho Carolina. And given Big that time. we're sitting here in, a, in the Queen City Podcast Network stage, Absolutely. powered by Ortho Carolina, it's just huge. They, Blair Primus and his team believe in people and ideas, and they're yep. not afraid to say that for their, you know, they're here to make Charlotte a healthier town, whether it's medically or just a place where people want to live that. There's, there's well. a small handful of people uh, in, in Charlotte right now that I think we can really point to as leading our, our future social good. Uh, Blair Primus is certainly, uh, if not leading that, uh, certainly in the, the yeah. salt, small group of folks. So, Josh, you like Andy Go, who we met a little while ago, you also, and like the two other guests that we're going to meet shortly, you, yep. you've been a pivotal character in this story of Charlotte is Creative. We were in, as you mentioned, the inaugural class of Cultivate. You are now in the second year of Cultivate, second the year. second class of Cultivate. Yep. Do you want to sort of just touch briefly on how this year is uh, going for yeah, you yep. and, and, and what you've learned? Well, first of all, thank you for being a part of the inaugural class, which came with it its own risks and, and uh, learning. Um, we doubled the size of the cohort this year. So whereas last year we were working with three organizations, we're working with six uh, this year. Uh, they are as varied as Charlotte uh, is um, diverse. Uh, it is a tremendous cohort of people uh, coming together. And uh, I think we've proven out uh, the cadence of the, the uh, curriculum, uh, the coaching. We've gotten that right now, sort of like how to, how to uh, make that as, as uh, intentional and uh, leveraged as possible. Uh, these organizations are doing amazing things. I can, I can think of each one of them. Uh, has a signature something that they've brought into the Cultivate uh, think tank and are developing it further. Uh, I think we're all going to be really proud of what these organizations have accomplished by the end of the year. As a companion piece to this, what we're going to do is, it's midway through the year, it's a yeah. good time to do a check-in with Cultivate. So sure. in the Biscuit, let's work together on a story. Love that. And it's this podcast will be, will be included in that. But just to give a little idea of who's in the cohort yep. and what, have, what are they learning? What are they working on? Absolutely. Right well, you know, it's, it's not just the organization, but the founder of that organization. So, you know, the reality is that, um, you know, I want Charlotte is Creative to be successful for a long, long time. But I also believe that Matt and Tim benefit from the learnings that they came through, no matter what happens. You know, so this is about the people who uh, participate and really uh, ensuring that they have the tools they need to be successful in all, all things that they might do. Um, so it's as much the founders as their nonprofits. So I think really delving into the why of these organizations would be a really fun uh, series for the biscuit. Yeah, let's do that. Awesome. Let's do it, man. And so one of the things at the beginning that uh, of Cultivate that we discussed was you not only wanted to change how the individual nonprofits went about their work, but to almost say if somebody's gone through Cultivate, if they've done the deep dive right. over 12 months, what does that say to a funder? That's right. Right. So the good housekeeping seal of approval. That's what we're it. going for. Is all right. Yeah. You know, if if you've gone through cultivate, it means that uh, you have learned uh, and soaked in and uh, and uh, brought into clear focus uh, what you intend to do. There's a strategic business plan that comes at the back end of that year, uh, and that you would have paper, you would have a deliverable that you could you could hand to someone and say, "This is we're ready for." Uh, we're ready for investment. Uh, so just like we would find on the private sector and, and a startup company, we've worked through what is the marketplace for your idea? What is the way in which you'll evaluate the impact of what you're doing? 
what are your goals over a long period of time? What's your pro forma that shows me the next five to 10 years of at least a theory of where you think you're going? Doesn't mean that that's necessarily gonna be the path, but have a working theory that you're, that you're using. And yeah, this year is really about uh, telling that story. So we uh, are, you're gonna find that uh, Cultivate is gonna be uh, in front of a lot of folks this year. So starting in July, we're gonna be um, we're gonna have a new website. We're gonna have uh, storytelling that we're intending to do, and really to to direct it at the uh, local philanthropy uh, donors and, and funders, uh, so that should that organization uh, come through and come across their desk and they see that Cultivate logo, uh, they know that at least they can uh, trust that um, there are some best practices for that organization. Yep. So, what reaction have you gotten from the funder community? Uh, good so far. I mean, this is a slow community in, in the in the philanth uh, philanthropic sense. In that, it takes time, and you know, we want things so quickly. You know, we want Charlotte to be uh, the all it can be immediately. And I think we have to take that long haul. So I, I appreciate your fiftieth out of fifty. It's just a, it's a long race. Uh, it is a long race for these founders too, um, and it's a, a long race for all of us. Uh, that said, we can see these milestones and these kind of uh, opportunities that. Uh, are coming forward, I, I, in part, I think, because uh, Cultivate is starting to garner more attention and, and uh, buy it. We are, we are just at the beginning of getting into trouble together, and yeah. we're going to chronicle everything that you're doing. We're going to be partners in, in creative crime right. for years to come, and you and me, Besties. Sweater. sweater bros. Sweater bros. Bones, man. All right. Well, Josh, you're incredible. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thank for you, having Josh. me. Catch you later. Josh Jacobson, everybody. Thank you, buddy. Hey-o! Thanks again to everyone who attended, organized, volunteered, performed, or promoted Durag Festival. If you didn't make it out to this year's event, no worries. Just make sure you're there next year. Also, thanks to Josh Jacobson of Next Stage Consulting, Brian Baltashevitz of the Queen City Podcast Network, and Coco and the Director for hosting us. Most importantly, thank you, the listener, for tuning in to The Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourself. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to The Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings.